paying attention in the present moment to your experience in your mind and your body. Really, that's like an antidote to excessive thinking. Hello and a warm welcome to the NLN podcast. The NLN is the Nordic Leadership Network. We're a team of seven leaders, coaches, facilitators and speakers. We help develop the leaders of today and tomorrow. We challenge teams to achieve high performance. We help companies to implement strategy and get stuff done so they can flourish and grow. And today we're extremely excited to have Tim Sigala with us. Welcome, Tim. Thank you, David. Thank you for having me. And Nick, hello. Hello, Tim. Hello, David. Hi, Tim, Nick. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, David. We're going to have some fun today, I think. We are indeed. And the fun is going to be with Tim Sigala, who is a personal and executive coach and leadership and executive trainer. Tim loves helping people to understand who they really are and their true values and strengths. And then based on these discoveries, makes fulfilling changes in their personal and professional lives. Before working as a coach and trainer, Tim's background was in communications and project management in the private and third sectors. And he is currently experimenting in bringing together two interesting worlds, personal development and stand-up comedy. And I'm going to hand over to Nick for the first question. Tim, again, very warm welcome. Thanks for joining today. Um, how, How did you get into mindfulness coaching so i got into mindfulness uh, first as it were for myself about gosh what 13 years ago because i needed it because i was a mess <laughs> uh, that's a slightly harsh and silly way of putting it but yeah i um i'd been struggling for a while in the years before that with anxiety low mood self-doubt the, the the usual con- lovely concoction of experiences that many of us go through mm-hmm. and actually I've been having some therapy psychotherapy and my therapist had been encouraging me to meditate um, and I actually at first completely ignored her because I thought it sounded ridiculous but um, it's, it sort of eventually she kind of chipped away at my resistance through very subtle means <laughs> and um, yeah I, I kind of threw myself into the world of mindfulness. I went on a, a Buddhist retreat over a new year, yeah, 13, 14 years ago, and very quickly realized, God, yeah, this, I think this really is the key, or at least one of the keys to just feeling more settled in oneself, liking oneself more, feeling more calm, feeling more alive and normal, if you like. And so I kind of got into a regular practice really quickly. And yeah, then took up a job, you know, to left the job I was in in the, mm-hmm. the RNIB at the time. Just left that and uh, went to, to work at the London Buddhist Centre, running a well-being programme there in the sort of earlier days of secular mindfulness. Um, and yeah, just loved being in that world and having a regular mindfulness practice. I was getting into Buddhism as well, which I, I am mm-hmm. to some extent now. But yeah, over the years there... I realized relatively quickly that this is the world I wanted to be in more. And I wasn't teaching mindfulness then. I was just running a program, administering a program. But yeah, I, I thought, I think I want to train in, in, in this myself as a mindfulness teacher. And uh, landed also on coaching as a, a really good mm-hmm. sort of um, natural 
partner of mindfulness work. Um, so yeah, trained as a coach and a mindfulness teacher in the same year, 2011. And yeah, I haven't really sort of looked back since then. You talk about it, Tim, uh, just picking up on your words. You talk about the world. You know, I, I, I love this world. Mm. You made that transition from maybe your, your previous self to mm. your new self, um, Buddhist retreat, your conversations with the psychotherapist, mm. your new path. What, what was it that made the difference, that, that made it actually happen? Mm. Well, as it were, sort of made me decide I'm going to tread this new path, not the old one. Indeed, because you, you talked about it at, the, at first as, hmm, wasn't, wasn't really sure about it. Yeah. I wasn't convinced by this um, particular approach. And then suddenly you were. That's what, yeah. I, what I heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say it would be a combination of direct experience of, of mindful meditation and meditation generally, where I experienced inner states um, of well-being and clarity that I'd never known before, or rather that I'd only ever known through um, uh, alcohol and drugs. Mm. And uh, so it was like, ah, this is what it's like to feel really good without a substance. Mm. So I think it would be that, just like, ah, oh, right, this is what it's like. I want to feel like this more often. Mm. combined with the the people that i were encountering it was like oh these are the there are people like this then who are <laughs> themselves experiencing that more often and who are more open more uh, kind not that i've never met open or kind people before <laughs> but like you know all of them were open and kind and sensitive and thoughtful and combined depth seriousness with also light-heartedness and and fun if you like so yeah it would be the inner states i experienced and the people that i was experiencing i think convinced me in the end excellent tim thank, thank you for that answer and you know we're really interested in the topic also really interested in in you and all of our guests that, that come on here and i think mindfulness and meditation is has been quite a hot topic David, during the course of, of COVID-19, it's been in the news. It has been in the news, and it's been in the news in positive and in negative discussions. So mm. I think, mm. Tim, we'd like to ask you a little bit about how mindfulness works. So you, you said, first of all, that you got into mindfulness as a recommendation for your therapist, and it was helping you with issues like anxiety, for example, you mentioned. Mm. Um, but you also said that it's a natural partner to coaching. Mm. And uh, coaches and therapists work in different ways. Mm. Um, so how, how can mindfulness work um, as a therapy, but how, how does it also work as a, in coaching? What's, what's actually taking place? For example, when, when you're coaching mm. and you're using mindfulness, mm. how, how does it work? Hmm. I mean, maybe just to give the, the background of the classic definition of mindfulness, which is that it's paying attention in the present moment to your experience 
in your mind and your body. Really, that's like an antidote to excessive thinking, which is, uh, you know, something that we all fall into as human beings and can get us into difficulty when we're just repetitively turning around the same problem over and over again. So mindfulness is a kind of well-established tool with roots in ancient traditions, spiritual traditions, but you know, now used in the secular West to help people, yes, yeah, step out of that unhelpful autopilot thinking and into a more kind of intentional, conscious mode uh, where they're more present. And all the neuroscience, you know, shows that it changes how the brain operates, setting up new neural pathways to parts of the brain that are associated with well-being and all the rest of it. And so um, just with that, I just wanted to provide that sort of context. So I think when in coaching, yeah, that is just so valuable to harness, if you like. And, you know, as you guys have, have yourselves experienced um, in some of the stuff I've shared with you, that mindfulness can be so helpful in coaching, um, both in, in how we manage ourselves, I think, as coaches, because, um, you know, as, as you guys both know, and the same, of course, is in therapy, to, to be really effective for our clients, we need to be as fully available for them and, as it were, to get out of their way and to stop our own stuff, our own crap <laughs> getting in the way, interfering and distracting us. So if we're able to use some of these skills to pay attention to ourselves and just to be more present in our bodies... That makes us just more present and yeah, engaged in, in what's happening for our clients. But also then, so um, yeah, that's like a kind of implicit way we use mindfulness as, as coaches or therapists. But I think also more directly and explicitly sharing some of these tools or, or using some of the tools in the sessions to help, to help clients kind of sink down below the usual flotsam and jetsam surface layers of all the things that they usually think about something that are stopping them accessing some much deeper, truer wisdom about things. So starting sessions and ending sessions with little gaps, mindful gaps, just helps all of that go deeper. But I think also um, sort of in the gap between that very implicit and explicit use is this sort of middle area where it just helps if, if we're practicing mindfulness and steeped in it ourselves as coaches or therapists, it means that we sort of um, are more attuned to what's going on at a sensitive level. And we kind of hear and notice things that are much uh, below the surface that would otherwise if we were caught up in the surface of ourselves or them would not get picked up would, the radar wouldn't pick them up so I think you could say that mindfulness just allows our sensitivity to to massively be enhanced and that can never be a bad thing in coaching Hmm. Well, thank thank you. So that uh, it's very helpful to have that definition. And as you as you mentioned, that we have worked also Nick and I have worked with you and other members of the Nordic Leadership Network around bringing mindfulness into our own coaching practice. So obviously, we're we're big fans. What's mm -hmm. what's your take on some of the discussion in the media, for example, about mindfulness at the moment? There mm. was an article that Nick mentioned just as we were coming on air 
in the Guardian last year called the the mindfulness conspiracy, mm-hmm. for example. <laughs> On the other hand, there are plenty of extremely positive articles as well. So it seems quite polarised debate. Yes. Oh, you've got me on a topic I love to talk about. (laughs) It winds me up so much. And I'm going to let rip. Can I let rip? Please do. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, in a way, I mean, I'm saying that tongue in cheek because the article, that Guardian article was quite rightly saying mindfulness is not a quick fix panacea. It was really saying, you know, there's a danger that this um, noble and ancient tradition of mindfulness, which has its roots, particularly in Buddhist traditions, and is therefore, you know, can't be separated from a whole um, ethical perspective or ethical path um, of life. And I absolutely agree with that. And, you know, we don't want organisations just co-opting it and saying, oh, good, here's something that can sort out our productivity problems or or fix our useless lazy lazy staff as it were um and yeah i absolutely agree that's not what mindfulness is and and that's a um an immoral you know use just but like any tool that an organization if they're just using a tool to try to paper over deeper issues that need much bigger attention much wider systemic change then that's not moral but that doesn't then why the article winds me up um, and why you know it winds me up when people go oh look yeah it's just this mindfulness thing is a load of rubbish is it just because it's being misused in one situation doesn't mean that there isn't a a good and acceptable use of it in uh, other situations so yes an organization should be paying attention to wider systemic change but part of that wider systemic change could include mindfulness. And so, you know, it's sort of like saying, I don't know, I've tried to think of an equivalent, you know, um, s- sprinting um, is, can be really bad for you, so, so never run. I, I, I'm just, that's not a very good analogy, but you probably get my, my um, drift. Sure, and uh, as coaches, we try to be mindful how we're using mindfulness. So mm. in my own coaching practice, I, if I have um, any kind of mindful activity with, with a coachee, I also address what it is that's happening before and after we, we do that. So that, that you know, mm. let us, let us mm. to, to be doing that at that moment. So I think that right. context is always important in these things and mm. you know, how we're using it. Mm. Nick, what are you hearing? Well, thanks, David. I'm hearing um, a great interview with Tim. So, Tim, if I could ask, what are some of the, uh, maybe one or two projects that you're working on right now, Speak without mentioning names of people or organisations? Sure. sure, sure. So, actually, at the moment, because um, I think, as you guys know, i I do my work through a social enterprise that I co-founded. So we do our stuff, this, this coaching and mindfulness stuff in a number of different settings. So as a social enterprise, we do some stuff in organizations, businesses where we're using mindfulness um, based tools alongside coaching. And I'm also a big fan of positive psychology. So we use all of that to help, 
leaders and teams stay resilient and inspired and connected in the face of challenge. Of course, there's lots of challenge at the moment. I'll come back to that. Um, so yeah, working in leaders and teams and organizations, but then as a social enterprise, we run some projects, funded projects um, in the community uh, using the same tools really, uh, but just applying them differently for people who, who have very little really people on low income who are often recovering from very difficult circumstances, background of addiction, troubling family circumstances, often a um, history of offending. So we do that through two projects and um, one's in East London, well, actually they're both in East London. And it's been interesting actually during this, um, our, our extraordinary lockdown period that it's actually, I found myself drawn more, well, not, yeah, kind of drawn into and called into providing extra support in, in that realm rather than in the organisational space. That's also partly to do with, you know, sort of where my energy's been going in the last few months anyway and, you know, lead times for things. But, yeah, we've been, like, creating special resources and running special Zoom programmes for people in that um, community space which has been hugely interesting and rewarding just to like create a course in the space of, you know, like a week and then make it happen. And mm. I think there's probably quite a lot that um, we as uh, coaches operating in the uh, organisational setting could learn from all of that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's interesting that maybe for, for a project that might take um, a month or two, maybe longer, can be turned around in in a week how yeah. how does that happen then how, how can we do that how how did you do that in you know in the space of a week or so well do you know what without being glib about it i think it's something about the circumstances where you feel like there is a demand and an appetite for this now um something about that creates um it's part of the conditions for creativity and for quick, really smart thinking. So it's almost like mm. it just, without it being a conscious process, it just causes uh, you to kind of cut the flannel and just mm. think, what's important here? What do I know about this that is just obvious to share and to include in this offering, this course, this program? And, and almost like the fact that you don't have a lot of time to think about it means that you come up with something that is far more effective than if you'd had more time to think about it. And I reckon this is what organisations could sometimes learn without doing things in a hurry, you know, or, or slapdash, but actually just just cut the flannel, basically. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, indeed. That's really interesting. So a real sense of purpose and quick creativity mm. equals fast and good results. I think so, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. It is very interesting. And we've, uh, thank you, Tim, for your, your rich answers. I, it, the things that I've heard in your answers, are lots of connections. So you've been connecting mindfulness with coaching, for example, uh, with resilience, and you've been in different settings with uh, non-profits and in organizational settings connecting it with leadership and 
with executive coaching, for example. So now is the moment we're going to ask you about that that we mentioned at the beginning, where you seem to have got, to, uh, is it a new departure for you in your career into stand-up comedy? Tell us about that. It's a bit of fun, and we'll see where it goes. I've been meaning to do stand-up comedy for years, because in a way, the thing that I love more than anything else, I don't always succeed at it, but is making people laugh. And laughing. And, and there's a bit of a performer in me. I think there probably is in a lot of coaches and trainers. Um, so in a way, you know, in training that I've done, I, I like to try to include a bit of humour. So I knew there's a performer in me. I knew I liked, liked to make people laugh. And I had a, I've got an old school friend I've known for years who is a stand-up comedy and a very successful one. And he's for years encouraged me to do it. And I just kept resisting and resisting. And eventually I thought, let's give it a go. I actually had a few false starts on doing a course. Um, I gave up because I just, just found it too challenging. But yeah, last year I actually stayed the course. Actually, I did two courses with a gig at the end of each. So I've only actually had two gigs, and so I am not a stand-up comic, uh, <laughs> um, but I, I've experienced that world. And, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a fascinating world in which even if you are no good at it and you have no intention of uh, going on doing more of it, I think there's so much to learn from the experience of, of, of writing and performing and, uh, you know, trying to get people to laugh there's so much we can learn about ourselves uh, and I think there's also it can be really useful for um, enhancing our ability to communicate essentially which is what we have to do as coaches and trainers and yeah I am keen to start to incorporate more of a light-hearted comic approach to my work partly because I just think it will be fun but also because I think um, so often, I'm sure maybe this is true for you guys, that you know, the nature of what we do can get very deep and serious and heavy and there's no way, mm. and it should do, you know, because often we're inviting people to visit parts of themselves or you know, to reveal stuff that may be difficult and it is going to be serious and heavy and, and it should be. But um, if it's only ever serious and heavy, then it can just get, you know, sort of, burdensome for both coaching clients so I think wherever when it's appropriate we one can introduce more of a light-hearted humorous approach it, it actually helps our work go deeper and particularly to communicate sometimes quite complex messages I think humor is a very good way to do that so it's, it's um, something I'm just starting to to explore really I'm only at the beginning of that mm. Wonderful. And I think there's, there's that essential component of storytelling, mm, which mm. is really important with, with comedy and with coaching and, and training. And um, Tim, we've seen, we, we've had the pleasure of uh, seeing you during one of your stand-up pieces and mm. you were very good. And I, I just think it's one of the most courageous things anybody could ever do. But what tickles me a little bit is that you, you went on a course and I'm just wondering what happens on day one of a end up <laughs> comic course. What would you do in that first oh, sort of half an hour, hour? What did we do? I'm trying to remember. It feels like such a long time ago. Did you all introduce yourselves in a very funny, 
Lighthearted way? Or? Um, no. Well, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's coming back to me now. Lots of, um, I remember our teacher, who was a really good teacher, because in fact, what he was really doing in the early part of it was saying, look, don't try to be funny for now. Don't even bother. <laughs> just, just, um, he was just trying to get us more comfortable in, in uh, performing, communicating and getting into a creative space where you stop judging yourself. So in fact, when the first session was really quite serious, but I remember that quite a lot of the other participants, <clears throat> because they all This was not what funny. I was expecting. Well, yeah, and they all think they're funny, like myself <laughs> included. So everyone, when they're introducing themselves, can't stop themselves trying to be funny. And, and I, I sort of remember thinking, oh, for goodness sake, stop trying to be funny. We're not doing that yet. Yeah, yeah, get on with it. Just introduce yeah, yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, um, <laughs> thank you for that, Tim. I, I, I think that we're going to wrap it up here and um, I'm going to tell a joke. Well, you know, we usually, we usually end with a quote. Um, so today I'm going to vary my routine and come up with a joke. How many coaches does it take to change a light bulb? Is this the one? I think I know the answer, but is it a new one? It's not about <laughs> whether the light bulb wants to change, is it? Thank you, Tim, for joining us on the show today. <laughs> Master of comedy. <laughs> I thought you were going to be doing like a new version, like a meta version of like, well, you've all heard that one. I've got a new take no, on it. I reckon that one of, one of our two listeners has not heard it. <laughs> I think get some new material is, is Tim's message, David. All right, Tim, a huge, huge thanks for, for joining today, really showing up and and sharing thank you thank you thank you for inviting me i've really enjoyed it thank you for your thoughtful insightful questions thank you tim thank you hey listener it's stefano here since you got until here we think that you might like the podcast it would mean so much if you could leave us a five-star review and share this with as many of your friends as possible this will help us be discovered and spread the news. Can you just take five minutes and do that for us? Thank you.